And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. finish the last episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Luckily, dependable Dave Filoni and crew create Rebels with new characters, new places, and new adventures, thus keeping hope alive for this podcast. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast where today... We are officially wrapping up Star Wars Rebels. To join us in celebrating Star Wars Rebels, we are joined by two powerhouse panel of talented women to celebrate the show. We have... What, what did I write here? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't... Hey! That's what editing's for. We have an up-and-coming young star who is quickly rising to be one of the bright new voices in the fandom. Both her show and her artwork have been recognized and praised across the internet. We have Allie from Knights of Ren Podcast. How you doing, Allie? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) We also have my muy inteligente amiga, who is a talented fanfic writer and fan artist. Her uh, post-Rebels fanfic, Last Known Trajectory, has over 10,000 hits on AO3, and she was most recently seen on Star Wars Book Club's Thrawn episode on YouTube. Welcome to the show, Gabby, a.k.a. Ali's Raxelnova. Really hope I said that right. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine, that's fine. Thank you for having me. And as always, I'm Hope Molinax, and I'm joined by my amazing co-podcaster, Mr. Chris Honeywell. We're not as cool as they are. Well, I'm amazing, at least. I guess so. I might not be cool, but I'm amazing. Fine, well, I guess. <laughs> How's everyone doing? Let's talk about rebels! Oh, my God. I need them. I need one of them. We need more rebels. Please give us the rebel sequel. Please. Yes. yes. So, as our guest, uh, we just want to hear about from you guys. Uh, what is What is it about rebels that you guys love so much. Uh, let's start with Gabby. Okay, what I love about Rebels is um, how they approach uh, the teaching of the Jedi without being in the Jedi Order, right? Like, I, I love how how Kanan and Ezra um, had to work through not having that support that, that from the Order and try to to find their own way, their own path uh, in this war. I think that's the, the thing that I love the most about the series. What about you, Ellen? I, I love a lot about Rebels. Um, to put it in a blurb, I'd say definitely the thing I like most about Rebels is the fact that with Rebels, we kind of get a group of people who come from all across the galaxy, and they come together as like this found family, and um, they really have to like face their past as well as their presence. Um, and it's just really cool to see them grow together and mm-hmm. um, find their places in the galaxy and like come to face their past and their presence and fight together against the Empire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's 
that's probably the thing I like most. Um, I have a very blended family. Um, and so I could see a lot of my own personal family in Rebels and just being, being a Clone Wars stan that I am, like seeing how they integrated the Clone Wars, war, the Clone Wars, Clone Wars world. There we go. <laughs> the Clone <laughs> Wars world um, into the bigger series and connecting both with the prequel trilogy to the original trilogy, um, seeing that all connected together is just one of my favorite things about it. Chris, what about you with your creepy ass rabbit mouse? I'm gonna I'm gonna go to what Gabby said at first, and I think that sort of like to me sums up the the um, if you were gonna take away one thing from Rebels, and that's that Kanan and Ezra having to work on their, you know, their, their Jedi powers with, you know, basically only their own guidance. Although, you know, you get a little, you know, some Yoda's and Bendu's pop up some people who are more powerful (laughs) than them to guide them a little bit, but they generally have to do it and sort of, they have to improvise and sort of be organic about it. And I think also built into that, that it sort of shows that that's kind of superior <laughs> to when the Jedi, Jedi Order was in in yeah. full swing. I, they they both Kanan and Ezra, I think, become better Jedi, and you know they don't like. It seemed like Jedi and the Jedi Order had to sort of struggle through the Jedi lessons, where these guys were sort of picking it up in the wild on the fly, like almost instinctively without being like Mary Sue characters or whatever they were, you know, it, it was more in tune with the natural, um, flow of the force. This, this, and this show is very tied into like nature, which is something that's, I think has been sort of neglected in star Wars. So I love the, the confluence of nature and the sort of more naturalistic approach to the force. Yeah. And to me, it also kind of does that with the dark side too, because anybody who knows me knows I love my grande boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) And we actually see kind of different sides of the dark side as well with the inquisitors. So it just really broadens the field of just the force in general. Yeah. The inquisitors were kind of like, I mean, I'm sure they had a little bit of, training you know they had a little more guidance but you then you had darth maul who's the he's the dark side guy who's totally on his own sort of like Caden and ezra in this did you guys see that the the preview for the lego holiday special and they just have darth maul lego (laughs) sitting on the ground without legs oh no it's just moving without the legs and i was laughing so hard on that you know he's yeah. gonna get all kinds of different legs and and gear throughout that episode. Yeah. Probably yeah. he's probably gonna get like tractor treads and stuff. Are <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> you saying he's going Ooh, to have a, a day because there's like like three Kenobis, three different Kenobis in that picture too? And I was like, oh, there are three Kenobis in that the, picture. Yes, yeah, it, it's the one from the Phantom Menace, the one from Attack of the Clones, and the one from uh, Revenge of the Sith. And I was like, why, why are they three? <laughs> oh my God, he's going to go insane more than he already is. But yeah, 
What if the holiday special also goes through animation, so then we get, like, Lego Ghost Crew? Oh, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I see Allie's the only one of us with video, and I see her nodding along with this idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, well, so Rebels, of course, has four seasons of just amazing, awesome content that we all love and enjoy. What are some of our favorite moments, favorite episodes, favorite storylines, all of the above? Let's go with uh, with Allie. Why don't you open us up with this? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I love a lot of Rebels, but I guess I'll be basic and I'll say off the bat for me, definitely my favorite stuff. <laughs> is um the stuff we get with Sabine in season three um just because as I was saying earlier I really love this show for not just how it has found family but how the characters really come to face their past as well as their present um and everyone already knows I love Sabine so that's already a given but like (laughs) I just I loved how in this um this arc you really got to see her have to come to terms with her past and like have to face her family and as well as just um you also just got more ties um to kind of like Mandalorian stuff and I love that stuff so it was just really awesome to see um her come into her own face her past but um I just really loved um seeing her come out of her shell like that and getting to see the pain and like Trials of the Dark Saber like if we're going with favorite episodes that whole fighting sequence at the end of that episode made me so freaking emotional every time I see it, especially the first time I saw it. Um, so, yeah, I just really love that arc for so many different reasons. <laughs> now, I, I have listened to uh, your podcast and you have, what, like an hour and a half, two hour episode just about Sabine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about Sabine that you love? Oh my gosh, everyone always asks me this. Okay, here's my answer. Um, you have 30 seconds. Oh, Go. No. <laughs> Take your two-hour podcast and put it in a minute. Go. Fine. Okay. No, 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 please. Like, this is, no, this is a roundtable. This is a place for us to gush. Podcast. Gush, man, gush. I have my guessing on podcast answer, so let's go. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I like Sabine for a lot of reasons, but the biggest reasons I always sum it up as is it was the biggest kind of one for me I always say that we were like kind of close in age in a way at sometimes and I'm like oh I kind of always and I'm an artist so I'm like ooh, Sabine's like me she does art and she's like my age and so like putting myself in fiction it's like ooh, yeah like that and I just like loved her for that and then I also like I said before I love the fact that you could like tell that she had this past that was like that weighed down her on her so much but you saw her in season three comes to term with come to terms with it, but also earlier in the show, trying to reflect it through her present and having to manage that and having like discussions with Hera, discussions with Kanan, trying to come to terms with where she is, what she's doing, and kind of like but fight alongside her friends and her family. And I just loved everything about her and I just really enjoyed seeing her story throughout Rebels. So there's just a lot I love about her. So go check out my podcast if you want to hear more. <laughs> so now go to Knights of Ren. Ren is W-R-E-N. <laughs> and check it out. Well, what about you, Gabby? What are some of your favorite storylines, episodes? Like, what? why Why are you drawn to those stories as well? 
Okay, I think I think uh, the best. I should I should also say that Gabby and I are like total Thrawn fans, and we bonded <laughs> over Thrawn. And I've already told Chris he doesn't get to bash Thrawn today of all days because I will fight him. <gasps> I'll fight him too. Yeah, Chris doesn't like Thrawn. We it's been a whole thing. It's oh, two boy. against one now. Yeah. The, yes. The the, the climate has changed. <laughs> yeah, I have my fellow blue husbando lover. But oh. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, well, uh, my favorite characters, as you all know, you all know, it's are um, Ezra, uh, Tron, and Kanan. Obviously, uh, I before Tron came into the picture, uh, I just love the the way Kanan and Ezra were, you know, discovering the Force together, because you know Kanan was also. He was also learning. That, that that's the point. Like that's the reason he he was also like not sure he was the right one to 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 be Ezra's uh, master because he was you know trying to learn everything that he couldn't with Depa, right? Mm-hmm. So all all the storylines that had to that have that had to do with you know the temple with them connecting to the force. Uh, Rise of the Old Masters, Gathering oh. Forces, Path of the Jedi, and and the and the season one finale uh, were some of my favorite uh, episodes. I I my favorite season is season one. I know m- m- most people say like, oh well, season four or season two because of of Twilight of the Apprentice, but I just Season one is my happy place with where they were all good and, and learning and 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 you know getting together and opening up and that's why that's my favorite. I love season one. Um so my, like some of my personal favorite episodes, that's also where my grande boyfriend is in season one. Yeah. <laughs> ah, I love my grande. But I, I think I like I season one and season two are my favorite seasons as well. Um I love the return of Ahsoka. Like, anybody who listens to the show knows I'm a hardcore Ahsoka fan. There's a reason I have a fulcrum tattoo. Um, And I think she's actually the reason I started watching the show. I will admit, I was one of those people in the beginning that that was going, this isn't Clone Wars. I'm not going to like it. Why? I remember that. (laughs) I know. I can't believe I was watching it before you were watching it. That that blows my mind. Oh, my God. And then one night on Twitter, I saw Ahsoka trending, and I was like, what the hell? What the hell? And it was the season one finale where Ahsoka came back, and I was just like, fuck, I gotta watch this show now. (laughs) You know what? Yeah. And I just fell in love with the ghost crew. Um, I absolutely, like, season one is so good and so smart writing-wise to focus on them before moving into the bigger rebellion. So you have all these episodes to get to know them as people um, and you learn to care for them before you move them into the world that's connected with everything else. And it was such smart writing and to keep us mostly on Lothal, which is just such a wonderful planet, except for the fact that apparently there's a zoo in the capital city and we never saw the zoo. And I'm oh very upset about what? that. There I is. Know that. I didn't it's know that. That would have been amazing for Ezra to go there and I don't know, break them out. Yes. Can you imagine oh them turning the animals at the zoo as a distraction? Could oh you God. imagine every animal in the zoo being called a loth something? 
Oh my yes. god. This is the loft zebra. This is a loft giraffe. You know what? Here we got some loft otters. <laughs> I will never forgive Dave because he didn't show the lot rat. We got the lot cat and the lot wolf, but we, we, we were missing the lot rat from the rhyme, right? Yeah, true. And I was like, oh, oh my god, where is it? Dave, well, come like, on. Bats are almost sort of like flying mice, rat, t- flying, you know, sort of. <laughs> So it's close. So we got we did get lot bats. <laughs> lot bats. <laughs> yeah. One one letter close. All right. All right. <laughs> well, we're kind of uh, dancing around this ghost crew. So let's let's get into the ghost crew. What is it about? I, I lovingly call them the space family. Um, I I love this space family. Um, mm-hmm. I know. We've, I, I think there's such an interesting dynamic of like the wounded veteran Jedi and then the space mom who keeps everyone together, the two children who are coming of age at a time of war, and then you have Zeb, who is the best character. Everyone is wrong. <laughs> Zeb is the greatest character. I named a cat after him, and he's everyone's big gay uncle who finds his lovely future husband, Callus, and they join in and they call him Uncle Phallus, and they love him. Right. <laughs> I, I just realized something. What is everybody in the ghost crew, ha, including oh. Chopper, has some sort of like tragic past? It, yeah. But what what was? Am I just not remembering? But what was Hera's tragic? Oh, uh, more so her conflicts with her dad. I think that's I think... kind of her tragic past. Right. In a way. Yeah, but it's not like yeah, your whole all your people got killed or the Jedi Order got wiped out. <laughs> yeah. Or... Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I think uh, what I assume is that her mom got killed and also her little brother, maybe. Oh, that, okay. Yeah, that, I, that, I, I that might be the reason, that. but they would even really like, they just mention it in passing, like, oh, you had a brother. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, okay, that's You're yeah. not going to do anything else with this? Come on. <laughs> yeah, and it never seems to go anywhere. But yeah, maybe yeah. they didn't give her as much tragedy just to have somebody to like hold everybody to be the glue to hold everybody together maybe yeah i guess being raised by sham Sindula is enough exactly. tragedy yeah right right <laughs> so the but, was good to come later but let's let's talk about this ghost crew a little bit and and you guys are right i did forget to mention chopper um and i guess ap5 but that's what happens when i love zeb so much is i just forget mm-hmm. to mention people <laughs> Um, what are some of the things, like, why why does the Ghost Crew resonate with all of us so much? And why do people, why, why do people grow to care about this group of people? It's kind of a general question. <laughs> yeah. I'm not good at roundtables. Yeah, don't Sorry. worry, don't worry. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Okay. I think the reason is because they, they were all so different. But at the same time, they needed each other. Mm-hmm. So they found uh, that support from the group. And they each one, each one of them tried to do what they could. Because it's, they're not perfect. Everyone has like some kind of, you know, um, problem. Like reaching out or like handling stuff. Because Sabine, Sabine had a problem, you know, saying what she really wanted to do like uh, Kanan had the path and he didn't want you know 
he couldn't um, accept his own mistakes. Like uh, he didn't want Ezra to to make the same mistakes, but that wasn't on him. That w- that was going to be on Ezra, right? Like he just he could only give him the tools and the guidance, but at the end of the day, it was going to be Ezra's choice to to be on the right path or not, right? So yeah. I think each one of them. I'm sorry, sorry. I just no, oh. you're fine. Yeah, each one of them tried their by their best to be what the others needed needed. So I think that that resonates with everyone. Like like oh yeah, I want to be part of that family, right? Yeah, Ali, why why do you think that the ghost crew resonates so much with people? I think it's very similar to what Gabby was saying about the fact that each of these characters kind of has like their own little flaws or their own um, troubled past, but the characters never really hold that against them in a way. And I think the fact that they are so there to help each other and to come together in the ways they do and not just ignore the flaws, but face the flaws head on. And that doesn't stop any of them. Well, true. Kanan has a little bit of trouble in season three, (laughs) but he comes back and he faces it eventually. But it's just the fact that each of them is not afraid of their flaws. Like it may, it builds fear in them, but they face them. They face the flaws and they face their past. And I think the fact that you have these characters who, like we've been all saying, came from like all over the galaxy and they're coming together as this family and they're coming together to fight at this time when things are kind of crazy and everything with the empire is just weighing down on them and they have these pasts at the same time and these flaws, but they come to face all of that. And I think everyone can find in a way can either resonate with the fact that, Oh wow. I also struggle opening up and look, here's Sabine like me, (laughs) like, and here's (laughs) Sabine who also has a past that she's struggling to face or she's just struggling to open up a bit. Everyone can kind of find something like that, I think in a way. And it's just the fact that, character these characters are like willing to become a family like you can find family with anyone i love the found family part of the show so yeah i think that's that's a very important reason why people love these characters so much in comparison to you know looking at clone clone wars i can't say clone wars today apparently guys um in comparison to something like clone wars that's that was the problem of Anakin. Like he wasn't willing to face his past and his struggles head on, and he wasn't really willing to grow. And really, the one thing he couldn't do was let go, which was the number one lesson that like Kanan was like, Ezra, you must learn to let go. Because <laughs> yeah. well, that's I'm the dying. thing. Anakin never had anybody like he didn't have. I mean, he and Obi Wan had a relationship, but like when you when you put it in contrast with the Ghost Crew, there it was very dysfunctional in comparison to the ghost yeah. crew. You know, the ghost crew were all, all had each other's backs. I, that's, that's my, like, I thought that was a fault of the show. The first time I watched it, a lot of things that I thought were faults the first time are now strengths upon a second viewing. Nice. But like second, <laughs> the, the first time through the first season, like the first few episodes, I said, well, these characters are all sort of just different, like an amalgam of characters from star wars sort of pushed 
pushed together in a similar situation with a sort of Millennium Falcon crew with a like, you know, Zeb sort of like Chewbacca and <laughs> and you know the, you know there's there's a little bit of Han Solo in this and, and and Ezra's like Luke Skywalker but I thought that was uh to the detriment of it but as the show went on I I like that aspect of it because they 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 are sort of similar to those characters and in a similar situation but they're different as and they're way more functional you know you're 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 seeing like the 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 sort of characters from Star Wars, like Anakin and stuff, if they'd had the the you know the correct I don't know if that's the right word or or a good family support system behind yeah. them, and mm-hmm. and I mean something that we've touched on before is how many times does Kanan hug Ezra? Right, right. And the, oh my like, god, like that make me cry. Yeah, but like that is people an do hugging thing. in Star Wars, but it's like we just blew something up. Yay! Yay! You know, that sort of thing. It's it's yeah. it's not like here, let me here cry on my shoulder. But... Exactly. And and you know what? I think one of the things uh, about that is that um they 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 try to make clear that people need to talk about what what's they're bothering them, right? And that was uh, that's the uh, you know the comparison with Anakin because he couldn't yeah. tell anything to Obi Wan because uh, he he was he was fearing that the order was going to you know uh, uh, do something about him and and Padme or telling him uh, tell him that he couldn't do anything or stuff. But here it's like you know what. Um, Kanan was always like, you know, um, I'm here for you, and if you want to go and look for your parents and do this and do that, yes, but let me be there for you, right? And he was much open, like he he let Ezra know that he was there for him in that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ima- imagine if in Empire Strikes Back, Obi Wan Kenobi's ghost had taken Luke and said. Let me tell you the story, your dad, you know, and actually told him the, the you know, the, the, the prequel story, <laughs> and, Oh boy. you know, and like, and sent Luke off with that information. He could have turned Darth Vader around in Empire Strikes Back the first time he yeah. met him, you know, he could have been <laughs> yeah. like, I know you're my dad, Anakin, you know, and blah, blah, blah. You know, my mom, yeah. Padme, you, you know, it would have been his save Martha moment, I guess. <laughs> he will have, he will have blow screen, like. That really will have blue screen, like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ben should have sat down and put his ghost armor on Luke and said, look, kid, like, this is what happened to your dad, you know? The, your dad was a great guy, you know? This is what your dad wanted... It, all he wanted to do was save your mom's life, but this is what happened, so, you know? Yeah. It, it would have... And, and there's... And I don't see why he wouldn't do that, you know? I mean, because I don't see... what he was raised by... Right. The cult he said is the Jedi. Like the right, Jedi ordered right. Grayson to do. So he wasn't it he wasn't Obi-Wan was raised in a system where he also was taught to conceal, don't feel Elsa yeah. feels. Yeah. And and so he when he has this pain to him, Anakin is dead. Like Anakin is gone. Luke is the hope. And we see that again in Twin Sons, like where he tells Maul, yeah, like that little kid over there running across the sand. He is our hope now because Anakin's gone, and it just shows why 
this the Jedi in Rebels being Kanan and Ezra and Ahsoka uh, as well are healthier forms, both mentally, emotionally, um, yeah. than the Jedi of old and why that system really deserved to burn. Yeah, and if they <laughs> yeah. didn't find each other, things could have gone really bad. Like if Ezra didn't find Kanan and Darth Maul found Ezra. Or Grande. Yeah, or no. Grande, actually, yeah. Actually, if things would have gone, you know, as if he, if Ezra hadn't uh, been picked up by the ghost crew, I think he would have, you know, joined the academy with, with uh, Jai and Sari and, and the others. So he will have been, you know, found by the Inquisitor, actually. Maybe maybe send him also with, with Jai, because they were going to get uh, taken to training, you know, for... For that, right? Yeah. That's true. Yes. Um, AU of Ezra in the Imperial Academy, please. <laughs> Allie, you're kind of quiet over there. Do you have anything to add? <laughs> I mean, I definitely agree that communication in Star Wars, like, come on. Like, that's something that in the prequels era, people really did not communicate well, which... That's why I think it was so valuable when they would communicate in Rebels and even in Resistance. Like, come on, just communicate with each other. It this helps yes. solve a lot of problems a lot easier. Um, but, like, I think in a way that kind of... I love all the discussion we've been having relating to Kanan and also Anakin. And I, th- I think if we're going to, like, look at it in that way of communication, we can see, like, that Kanan... Like, because Kanan also, like, grew up as, like, a Jedi and stuff. He grew up the same way as Obi-Wan, per se. But, like, I like how throughout the show, like, Kanan kind of... Because, like, he's already more open in ways, but, like, we kind of see him open up even more. Especially with how um, he takes on Ezra as his apprentice, and he has to be willing to open up to Ezra in the ways, and he even acknowledges that um, at points in season three about um, how he had, he was the one who was holding back, like he tells that to Hera when um, he's training Sabine, he's like, I was the one who was holding back when I was training Ezra, and so I think, I love, that's something I loved, at least if we're talking about the ghost crew, I love the fact that Kanan he grew up in that same way, but he works to like grow beyond that. And I love that. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought I up keep... Hera because I think Hera for at least, I, I know Chris hasn't read a new Donna. I don't know if you guys have, but Hera was the catalyst of Kanan learning how to do that. Like she really yeah. is yes. like yeah. mental health mom. Tell me your feelings. Let me teach you how to communicate. <laughs> do not close down to me, but I will also give you time. Right? Is your time up She's now? Perfect. Then let's talk. <laughs> yeah. So like, so much of that, I think, was also Hera's influence because she gave Kanan those skills and kind of broke him out of that monk cultist kind of raising that he was raised in and taught him how yeah. to have those skills yeah. because and also, space like, mom is the best mom. Exactly. And also everything that he was uh, he learned on those years alone by himself, like, you know, I'm trying to be the cool guy and, and not get... Uh, attached to anything i'm going to move i don't care about what's happening so she also like she she did double work with her she did, yeah yeah i need I, more I, stories of drunkard canaan fucking okay. <laughs> they, i jason, need those stories jason must have like like several other older brothers i'm just yeah. saying i'm just saying because Where is all of his half siblings yeah, because, uh, uh, in the book they say, you know, that they were the, the other girls were asking him to marry him, to marry them. 
And and I was like, oh boy, this is this means something you might not want to 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 understand, Kanan. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love the idea that Anu Don gave us this whole premise that Kanan possibly has like so many other children. <laughs> <in the galaxy. laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spreading <laughs> midichlorians across the galaxy, was he? <laughs> the will of the force is the will of the force. The, the, the force. I keep forgetting there was a there was that time period in Rebels where Kanan was just like, Yeah, this kid's great. I gotta get him to a real Jedi master though. Yeah. There's like that that like yeah. quarter a quarter or half a season where he's just like, Yeah, I'm not up for this. Uh yep. yeah, you're a good kid, Ezra. Uh meet Plo Clude or you know, or whatever. Or I, you know. <laughs> he's he's almost like space uncle because he's like, Oh, I love hanging out with you. Now let's get you to your real parents. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's then there's like that moment where he's bears. like, No, yeah. I am space dad now. You are my son. Everyone else stay look at my son. He's beautiful. Like, <laughs> and and I see some later, get away from my space son! I will right? fight you. Yes. <laughs> Maul's like, Can I have that space son? And Kanan's like, I will kill you if you touch my space. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was Maul is like the older kid in the neighborhood who's like, hop in the car, let's have a few beers and pick up girls. I was I was saying like, you know, uh, that in a modern uh, alternate universe, he will be like an ex-con, like, hey kid, do you want to do some drugs? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have seen fan art of Maul looking at Ray going, hey, I see you have a staff. You want to come to the dark side and I'll teach you how to <laughs> buy double saber? She's like, sure! Sure! Well, I was like, no! oh, what was that character uh, Pink uh, Pink Floyd in, in, uh, in Days to Confuse? Just like, hey, kid, you got any de death sticks? No! <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> how young everybody else is on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Jamal, I've never had a death stick before. It doesn't, very, doesn't sound very good. <laughs> sound very good. Yeah. What do you think of Mr. Mall? Uh, Mall. That, <laughs> that's a doll. The Mr. Mall doll for little 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 kids. I will happily. I would love a Mr. Mall doll. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so there are so anybody who knows me i love a good villain i love a good villain and there are so yeah. many amazing villains in rebels we have old favorites like vader and papa palpatine and maul <laughs> and then we have amazing new villains like the grand inquisitor thrawn my bitch wife orinda price um there's so many villains in this story so I just kind of want to talk about... I just want an excuse to talk about Theron with Gabby, to be honest. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to sound all nice and professional, but I'm just like, hey, Gabby, how hot is Theron? Yeah, but before, we get, before we get to Theron, I just want to mention that I always have to remind myself, because it happens early on, that even before Rogue One, this, this show was the one that brought Darth Vader back as scary as hell <laughs> oh, as yeah. terrifying and that was something that like i can't you know i can't 
explain how important it was to make you know after we've had three movies in clone wars to humanize anakin to have him show up and and with all the anakin baggage attached because he's showing up in a felony show after clone wars and then just be terror yeah. you know i was watching that episode and when it was over i was just like oh my god yes <laughs> yes yeah. that wasn't that wasn't anakin right there you know that was that was that truly illustrated the change and the danger and the and the power of darth vader and like i can't yeah. under you know i can't overstate how important that is to just star wars writ large so thrown away guys <laughs> I think uh, they made Vader terrifying in, in, in Sisha mm. Flotal because it was like he's immortal. They were throwing everything, literally everything at him, and he just kept kept coming. So, so I I agree that that they had to change, uh, you know, Vader for the fifth brother and and the and the sister. Because seven sister, because he was too powerful. <laughs> it, he will have really like uh, stopped them if he had stayed in in, in that season, mm. right? So they, yeah. they they sent the other two inquisitors, and also they couldn't uh, animate that cape of him <laughs> that much. So like, okay, what do we do? Okay, let, let's put well, the inquisitors in there. <laughs> I, I have a theory that once once they identified Kanan and Ezra. That, uh -huh. that Palpatine wouldn't want to send Vader after them because he would possibly want to see what he could, how he could use them and would want to keep Vader out of that loop because it might, that could be, he yeah. might be like, one of these guys could replace Vader. So I'll, I'll, I'll get my inquisitors on these and guys rather than also, Vader. We also saw how important Ezra was to the world between worlds, which was something that Palpatine wanted. Yeah, exactly. Yep. He might have not known about that, you know, that he was able to enter, but but he uh, he was starting to get interested, at least in the uh, at least in the in the books and in the in alliances. After Atholon, he kind of like um, he didn't care about Kanan anymore, or like he said like, well, I I know what he can do, and I don't care about that. I, I have other things. Uh, Hey, you Vader and Tron, go and check this out, right? But but I think uh, his interest in Ezra was, you know, at the end uh, of the season four. Season four, sorry. You you just yeah. you keep making making me think of things. <laughs> I think uh, maybe maybe Palpatine wasn't as interested in Kanan. Yeah. Because he was he was more. It was more important for Kanan to die the way he did, so he could use it as a temptation for Ezra. That could be in yeah. the future. Yeah, I mean, isn't exactly. that what he did to Anakin? He was like, right. "Oh, I can help you save your wife," and he just looks at Ezra and is like, "I can help you save your master." And, and look at this big like, portal. And like, if he could like see things in the world between worlds, one of the windows was Kanan. So that's an important 
node and jet and yeah force force stuff so he probably saw that and said ah that is where i tell us how it works <laughs> right <laughs> yeah ellie do you have any uh favorite villains of the series um i guess i could just join thrawn shot time oh my god yes I was gonna be the middle ground, Chris. I'm sorry, but I don't I'll know. Be, I'll, I'll be back in about 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> All right, so girls, girls. What do we love about Thrawn? I love his arms. Oh I love my his god. Butt. I love his hair. I love his lips. Oh my oh god. Oh my god. Yeah. He's so dreamy, and he's dreamy, dreamy guys. He's so beautiful. He's like he'll cook for you and like take you to museums and like pet your head. A lot of people yes. think he's a jerk, but they don't really know him. Yes. Her name's Chris. Oh my god. Okay, I, I have to tell you, um, I didn't read the 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 old books, the legends books. I didn't uh I, I couldn't get them when I was young. So most of the things that I knew about Drone it was because of his reputation. When when um when Rebels started, um I was just you know, checking the wiki and stuff, but uh, and one of the the reasons that I I was uh, interested in him was because uh, he's linked to the to the unknown regions because uh, from the start of, of Rebels I was thinking like well how are they going to survive because I really thought that Kanan and Ezra will survive together like oh well Ahsoka survived the uh, Clone Wars maybe they will live too right yeah yeah right. So anyway, uh, I was interested in him because um, Tron in the old books, you know, uh, meant all the cheese ascendancy on all the stuff on the other side uh, of the galaxy that they were coming and they were dangerous and stuff. And I was interested in that. I was I was saying like I was thinking, well, that could be an option for them to to go away. That was early season two thinking that I had, right? So the moment that I saw the blue man coming into the screen on the reveal uh, on the it, it was the london celebration i think i think so that's yeah, about right it was live i was i was watching in stream live and i yeah. i screamed because i was like oh my god they can they can actually go there they are not regions are kind of now yes right and that just like sent me down the rabbit hole, you know, trying to learn everything I could about Tron. And, and I couldn't get the book right away. I, they were, they were like, uh, it was like six months after. I was already like, we were already like halfway season three by then, I think. So everything else from that point onward, like influenced how I saw him in the series. And and I, I just like um, I, I could tell there were some difference because Sam has a very uh, very particular way he writes him, especially now, than he did with the first books because those were like you know 30 years ago, right? The the, the character has changed with the minds. Right. I'm currently reading, trying to get through the Legends books, and it's. They're very 90s, very yeah. 90s books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to check them out, too. Um, because the only one from Legends that I read, uh, it was Out Outbound Flight. 
because I knew that the cheese, I mean, as, as, as a culture showed up there and it was also like John Tron and I, I needed to get all the details because Son uh, has said that if he could, he will make everything that he had already eaten canon again. Or he was going to try to bring some stuff from there, right? I was like, okay, I need to get, I need to get this one for my pick. <laughs> I need to know how the cheese work. I need to know how how Tran was when he was younger and stuff, right? And I, that really like changed everything. Uh, the the light with I would I see Tron with. Mm-hmm. Ellie, you've actually surprised me. I did not know you were a secret Thrawn stan over there. <laughs> well, this is always how I am. I am always like, oh, I stand this, but I don't always am not super public about it. So, like, All right. Nobody... I mean, you can come stan it with us. Like, we are very vocal about loving our Thrawns. I did not know this. So, so what is it that you love about this villain that I <laughs> didn't know about? Well, I guess, like, I didn't really know, like, I didn't really know about Thrawn. Like, I was still kind of a young teen when Rebel Season 3 hit. I was, like, still pretty young, so I hadn't really, like, read Legends or anything yet. I was just kind of living along. I hadn't really actually read much of the books back at that point. I think I'd read maybe, like, one. I don't know. I mostly watched the the shows and the movies. So I remember that reveal of Thrawn, and I remember hearing the crowd cheering because I was, like, watching it live, you know, and I was like, wait, okay, so so people really love this character, so that's really kind of what launched me into wanting to learn more about the character. Um, but in watching Rebels, I just really enjoyed... He's kind of, like, similar to Moth Gideon in the way that he's just... He's really knowledgeable, and he kind of really just has that idea that he knows what he's doing, and I always love that. Like, I was... I was watching, um, I've been doing this, like, rewatch of Rebels with my dad, because my dad's never watched it, and um, we watched, re, uh, rewatch, or I rewatched, um, through Imperial Eyes last night, and I was kind of just oh, sitting there, fangirling through that last speech, I was just like, yeah! <laughs> oh my gosh, um, because, like, every, like, Thrawn speech is just so good, and also, Thrawn will not let art be insulted, so let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, I just really enjoyed how knowledgeable he was, how sinister and, like, means business he was. And I love that so much because, like, yes, good villains. (laughs) To be competent is a rare, uh, you know, characteristic in the Empire. (laughs) Yeah. They're not very competent. Exactly. (laughs) They're very very ambitious. (laughs) Yeah, like, um, most of the people that we normally see in the Empire are people like, Tarkin in Arinda Price and they're they're so ambitious to the point that it's a fault because uh, Arinda is her own downfall we were she was so anxious to cover her own ass that she blew up the the fuel supply and she was the cause of her own downfall um so that that is definitely what makes Thrawn so refreshing because he's actually smart (laughs) he's he's into his job I'm going to say nice, something nice about Thrawn. <gasps> Hope you might want to jot it down. You yes. might want to you might want to jot this down and add it to the list. But he, he's into his job, which is something that people in the empire they might be into their job as insofar as they want to gain the power that they would get from being involved yeah. in the empire. But like 
Um, I mean, we're given in backstory in the books that Thrawn is there for his race to observe and and stuff. So he can sort of he's he's enjoying his job on two levels. He's being a spy sort of and and he's but he's also like, okay, I'm doing this for the Empire. How would I do this in the best and most smartest way? And he's not really thinking about like, how do I get? to the next rank and and power thing he's he's thinking how do i how do i win this for the empire because that's the goal of of this venture which is the which they call the empire so he's he's kind of he's kind of more pure in his work than i mean i think even tarkin i think like palpatine and vader are are like of the same thing they have a like philosophy driving them and you know and a a goal whereas tarkin is basically i think just you know i want to get i want to get to the highest spot that i can you know you mean the biggest space nazi that's ever space nazi yeah he just wants to be he just (laughs) wants to be space nazi president and and (laughs) he does he doesn't. He's not really yeah. into the whole yeah. space Nazi thing, you know. I mean, I'm sure he knows all the rules and why they do it and everything, but he's just more into being like number one Tarkin, you that's, know. That's what uh, Rogue One is about. It's uh, um, yeah. Tarkin campaigning on how to be the number one space Nazi, right, and he right. wins the Death Star! Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I figured that I knew Gabby was going to talk about Thrawn. I wasn't sure about Ali, so this is a pleasant surprise. Um, so I'm going to actually go in a different direction. Um, I really, there's a reason I love my grande boyfriend. Um, and to me, I think the Grand Inquisitor is actually one of the most important villains. Um, his presence in season one is such a catalyst for pretty much everything to happen. Um, you know, there wasn't really this big threat that was pushing Kanan to really take on Ezra and to train him. Um, they didn't have, you know, they were the happy rebels that were just like going and beating just the clumsy empire guys <laughs> and stealing their stuff. Yeah. And then we get Rise of the Old Masters and the Grand Inquisitor shows up and he is a force to be reckoned with. He yeah. He is like... The, he knows Kanan's style, he knows who he is, he knows who his master is, and he almost wipes the floor with Kanan. And it's only just because the space family working together is what made them, which is what allowed them to get away. But he was the thing that made Kanan stop and go, I need to train Ezra because there's this other threat out there and I'm not ready for it. So I know this kid's not ready for it and it's endangering my space family. And he was the first real threat from the Empire that actually challenged the Ghost crew and made Kanan want to be a better person, which then in turn inspired Hera to push these ideals onto people like Sabine and Zeb as well. And it was really what made them form together as a space family. And I always keep saying this, one day I will write this article, but to me, the Grand Inquisitor is probably one of the most important characters in Kanan's journey. Because it's what made him want to go and be a better person, be a better Jedi. It's what made him face his past. He wasn't, he couldn't run from losing the order anymore because he has this person that's challenging him and who ends up finally knighting Kanan as a Jedi Knight. It was the Grand Inquisitor as a Temple Guard and him 
as a temple guard going, you are pretty much carrying on our legacy now. You are push, p- taking the Jedi's legacy and giving it to the next generation. And I love that scene. I love the scene where Kanan is knighted by the Grand Inquisitor as the temple guard, as the sentinel. Because it is such an emotional point of saying, we both used to be the cut from the same cloth, but we went in two completely different directions and you ended up for the better um, of, of, out of this journey. And so I, I love the Grand Inquisitor as a villain. I think as much as I love Thrawn and I love my black metal daddy Vader and I love Papa Palpatine's and Maul, my spiky boy, to me, like the Grand Inquisitor is the original most important person that really started everything. The reason they left Lothal is because they beat the Inquisitor and that got Vader's attention. Um, So, like, he is just such a big part of the show, but because it's not, because it's so early in the show, I feel like a lot of people forget, like, why he's so important to the series. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I also like... um... Plus, he's hot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love my palins. The rest (laughs) of them look like like vampire Nosferatu monsters, but he is beautiful in Rebels, and he has his little <laughs> face and his body and that one strut that he does, and he's voiced by Jason Isaacs. Yes, Lucius Malfoy, talk to me in Star Wars. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, I agree with you that he's, like, the catalyst because uh, up to that point, like, um, Kano was still like holding back from the force and from him being a Jedi. Like, um, like you could tell, like he had left his his lightsaber and the holocron in the secret compartment up until Ezra got them out because they, they were calling to him, right? Mm-hmm. So like he was still like keeping that part of of his past uh, hidden, secret, like not acknowledge them. So when when they when they face him he realizes you know I can't turn my back on this anymore like I'm not good enough and I also need to train and I need to train Ezra for this mm-hmm. otherwise uh, they're going to kill us <laughs> so he's he's like the force that that makes him take that that leap right yeah And I think something that Rebels does so well, it shows us a wide range of the villains and the Empire as a whole. We have like lower level people like Lieutenant List and Oresko and Grint. And then we go all the way up to like the political side of the Empire with people like Minister Tua and and Tarkin and um, what's her butt? My bitch wife, Orinda Price. Uh, (laughs) I forgot her name for a second. Um, as well as how the Force works in the Empire, all the way up to people like Thrawn and Palpatine and Vader. Um, we have I, this one of the first real looks in how different ways of the Empire from military to government works. Um, one of my absolute favorite scenes. Oh, sorry, I had a burp. One of my favorite scenes of... I, I saw you make a face, Allie. Burping is a norm on this podcast. <laughs> We embrace our grossness. We're classy. Oh, <laughs> there's been worse. There's been worse. <laughs> um, but uh, that makes it sound really bad, Chris. <laughs> 
But what was I saying? Oh, one of my absolute favorite scenes of Rebels is when, what episode was it? It was the one where they were trying to take over the the radio tower in season one and Tarkin was arriving and the Rebels were trying to take over the tower. Say what? Call to action, I think that's... Call to action, thank you. There's a scene where Tarkin arrives and it's Callus and the Grand Inquisitor and Tua. And we see how propaganda actively works in this world. Because Tua's like, well, I heard that they have a Jedi. And Tarkin walks up to Tua. Tarkin, who worked with Jedi in the Clone Wars, looks at her and goes, there are no Jedi. What are you talking about? When the Grand Inquisitor, a ex-Jedi Force user, is two feet behind her. (laughs) Oh my god, you're right. It's such an interesting scene because he's actively gaslighting her, lying to her face, yeah. like shoving this propaganda on her when there's a force user two feet behind her. And the whole time Callus is just like, oh, I'm so not ready to be here. But <laughs> that, that to me is such an interesting scene because you're seeing how propaganda works in, through the Empire, how this power structure works on different levels. And I think that's one of the things that I love about, about Rebels is we really get to see the dynamics from the force, the military, and the political side all working yeah. together from the, the villains. Exactly. It's kind of like the reverse of Clone Wars, where we got like the Padme and Bell Organa episodes and those political <laughs> episodes, but they were the good guys. But now the government evil, and it sucks, and they're all <laughs> a bunch of Nazis. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Anybody else want to throw anything out about villains before we move on? Well, I love Tua. Uh, I, I was sad to see her go. I was like, yeah, we're go- we- we going to-, to get, you know, like um, like a redemption arc. Maybe she's going to give them some, some other secrets and stuff. And then she went boom. And I was like, ah. Oh, right. My baby girl deserves so yeah. much better. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, was, I-, I wanted to see that uh, from her point of view. Like, uh, okay, yeah, I was working for the Empire, but they're doing stuff that I didn't sign up for. Like she, she just wanted to do her job, and the problem was that uh, the rebels got in the way of that job. And she always like, oh, you have to stop this. Uh, uh, <clears throat> they're destroying everything I'm working on. You have to stop them, right? And she, she was trying to do good. She, she thought she was trying to good to do good, but. She realized that no, she's. Uh, am I the bad? Are we the bad guys? Are we the baddies? Are we the baddies? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she tried to to get out, uh, and uh, I wanted her to to get that chance. That's that's the only. I wanted uh, if there's going to be you know a redemption arc or something, I want to give them a chance. Yeah, and because yeah. Tua is such a fascinating like she is like the, a propaganda baby we yeah. know from some of the extra materials that she was raised in by imperial propaganda so she just it's it's kind of like the whole allegory of um like the the young people who was raised in nazi germany and when you don't know anything differently you just take what you're taught as facts yeah. um i know chris hasn't seen avatar the last airbender but one of my favorite episodes is an episode called The Headband, where Aang goes to a fine firebending school, and they're telling him to his face, the air nomads are evil. And he was an air nomad, and he's like, what are you talking about? Like, they were the good guys. 
But because these children are not taught anything else, they take that as fact. And that's what Tua is. Like, she just doesn't have any knowledge outside of what she's been taught. And so when you have people like Tarkin come in and murder Oresko and Grit right in front of her, that's when she has her wake-up call and she at least tries to change. Yeah. Um, which actually is a good segue that gets me into our next point. So let's let's talk about some of the side characters because we have such a great cast like Callus and Vizago, the return of Hondo. Um, like so many Ketsu is in there, even though Chris and I don't like Ketsu. <laughs> it's not that we don't like Kai. Well, I, I shouldn't I say we, but it's not that I don't like Ketsu. It's it says I don't know Ketsu. Yeah, actually, you know what? Uh, when before that they were, they announced that there was uh, going to be like sixteen uh, episodes for season four, I was sure that we will be that we will get like season five. Like I, I was thinking like. Well, there's a lot of stuff that they still need to do. Like, what's what's up with with Ketsu and her her connections to the? It was the Blue Sons. Wait, no, wait. It was um. The, one of the mafias. I don't. Yeah, know exactly. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm 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 mixing uh, space criminal uh, organization Black from Sun. other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Black Sun. Wait, no, that's another. That's from from Mass Effect, I think. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was thinking, like, uh, that way they, they could bring her back and maybe also Hondo so, so they could be, you know, regulars uh, on, a, on a season, like, against Crimson uh, Dawn and everything, I mean. Um, so you could see also, like, the other side of this conflict that maybe was, was affecting the rebels. Uh, and it was not the Empire, right? Yeah. Because the, the, because the, the, the rebels still needed to get weapons and everything, supplies, and you will have to get that from the black market. But the black market is, uh, you know, controlled by these criminal organizations. So I thought they, they were going to go in there and we will see more of Ketsu and Hondo. But I was like, all right, okay. Season four is the end. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. Allie, I'm going to get totally give you a chance to defend Ketsu, because I saw your face of horror. No, 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 it's okay. Um, that was actually <laughs> awesome, because I, um, I know she makes up with Sabine, but you mess with my girl, you mess with me, so no, I, Ketsu and I don't have a special relationship either. Um, <laughs> it actually kind of, I, I don't know, I, I didn't get a chance to say it earlier, but, um, I'll quickly retell it just because I think I, I, I haven't gotten a chance to publicly talk about this. And I think it's a really wacky story if we're talking all about Rebels. So, like, if you mess with characters I like, um, I can get really sensitive. So um, this kind of goes back a bit. But I'll, I'll, go, I'll get back to Ketsu. Um, when Kanan died, I was oh my just God. on YouTube. And I was living my life. Everything was like, well, I was mourning, obviously. I was, like, super depressed. Like, sad. So I clicked on one of, like, the Rebels clubs. I didn't really watch it because it was, like, still in, like, the rough emotional patch. But I went to the comment section. You never go to comment sections, fun fact. Oh, everyone no. comment sections. There was someone who was, like, role-playing as Price in the comment section. What? Oh, no! Oh, and my God. Like, she was, like, glad Kaden was dead or whatever. I don't remember exactly what she said. But she said something, like, really made against Kaden. So... 
poor, emotionally distraught, sensitive, young child Allie <laughs> came in and was like, you know you're going to get in trouble. Like, I said something like, you know you're going to get in trouble with Thrawn now, right? Like, that's not good that you did that because you're going to, like, like, she was like, I, when the day I did awesome stuff. So I, then I came back in and I was like, yeah, you know, Thrawn's going to, like, hate you and blah, blah, blah. And then I got in this conversation. It was a two day long oh argument in the comment section <laughs> with the where I was just trying to like kind of reason I wasn't even like anti-price well now I kind of am based on that experience and just because she killed Kanan but like she it was just a chaotic experience so like yeah back to my point if you mess with my characters you mess with me so like yes Ketsu makes up with Sabine and they're like friends now and stuff but like I think the fact that she abandoned Sabine in the first place just eh, kind of roses me the wrong way I don't that's yeah, my like, <laughs> like we, we, we have issues just because Ketsu's never given a chance to be a full character. Exactly. She yeah, just doesn't like, do anything. Season two, and then she's not back again until, like, the last episode, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, I, I, mean, I was thinking, yeah, uh, there were, like, several things that could have gone better in that regard. Like, uh, I wished uh, more Bisago, too, because we had too much as Morrigan. I'm sorry. We had too much as Morrigan. I, I would have gone with with, with Hago instead of as Morrigan, but ah, uh, scrotum face, good old fashioned yeah. scrotum face. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Get him out of the airlock, please. I don't know my 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 nicknames for people. I'm sorry, Ali. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. So, uh, well, then let's talk about the characters that we like, because I think something that rebels. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just looking at Ali's so face. Okay. As as Morgan, you're gonna like look at him and be like, "Yep, his chin's a ball sack." <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna unsee it either. Um, I'm ruining the youth. So <laughs> yep. you're here for. Yeah, but uh, something I think that Rebels does so well, especially with their side characters, like with characters like Callus and Vizago and Hondo, is that there's a story that you can always change for the better. You don't always have to have your past held against you. I, I, I think Callus has one of the most beautiful stories in Rebels. Um, thanks to Zeb and like Zeb being yeah. there and giving him that chance and, and challenging, uh, we, we were talking about uh, propaganda. That's the whole point of the honorable ones is Zeb challenging the propaganda that, that Callus has been fed. And eventually Callus runs out of Nazi talking points to where he has yeah. to stop and face because, the truth. Exactly, because he is an intelligence agent. He knows that some of this stuff is not real. Uh, so that's why he tells him, like, oh, well, no, Kalu says, like, oh, we're going to give you a fair trail and everything. And Seb, like, goes, like, oh, really? That's you. Are, are you really? Do you really believe that? And Kalus knows that that's not right it's, it's not true he just like repeating the same stuff that he's being told to, to say mm-hmm. yeah and then you have characters like Vizago um I was I forgot that in Vizago's first appearance he leaves them to die he yeah. takes his guns and leaves them to die but I... it's they don't give up on him either and he eventually into the point where they save his life and he's like you guys are better than I am <laughs> Uh, but, well, uh, Vizago, like Vizago and Hondo, they like, I mean, their lifestyle is like 
the empire is the man, you know, and the rebels the are man, more like the, the, right. Exactly. The the rebels are more are rebels. They're more like the the smugglers and hustlers than than the empire. And the empire is also the guy who throws smugglers in jail. So they they make a more natural you know team you know and there's there's more room for them to both ha- get mutual respect for each other you know and 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 once they interact a few times you start you know you become friends with hondo or have a just grudging respect for him and yeah it starts rubbing off on both parties you know mm-hmm. yeah Ellie, what are you, what are some of your favorite parts about our lovely supporting cast? Um, well, I grew to love Callus with my whole heart. Yay! <laughs> I love Callus. <laughs> um, I like you were saying, I loved Callus's like whole arc and story with like coming to question the Empire, and I've written five thousand fix probably that I've never posted this. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? I want to read them. Okay. Zeb and Callus love it. I just love all of that. It's just so good. Hot Callus stays the best day. Yeah. Um, yes, he'll come. Do so. Great um, some time. <laughs> yeah. So other characters. Okay. So I like Callus. Um. Oh gosh. Other side characters. You would think I'd be better at this because I did the Star Wars Rebels Awards and I had to think of a bunch of characters just now. So I'm like, um. I I I think all of the side characters kind of in a way have their own like interesting shifts. Like you guys were talking about um Zago and Hondo. And it's like I love kind of the chaotic relationship that the ghost crew has with Vizago, um, Hondo and Lando. They like all three of those people just kind of have, like the most chaotic relationship with the ghost crew because they kind of like both backstab each other multiple times, but they kind of also have to come to help each other, which is like uh, <laughs> it's funny. Um and then side characters. If we're talking about side characters, um, this is my chance to also just talk about. Um, I loved. This is why I freaked out in Clone Wars. I loved. Um, he was my Mandalorian stuff. I loved getting to see um, Gar Saxon. I thought it was interesting to get to see like because he's like the Imperial vo- Viceroy of Mandalore. I liked getting like a kind of Mandalorian Imperial tie where it's like swearing loyalty to. Because um, it, it goes back to that whole like questioning the Mandalorian way and stuff. It goes kind of back to that. Um, so I like Garth Saxon, Ursa Wren. We had a rocky relationship because she's, like, strict, and, you know, like I said earlier, if you mess with my girl, Sabine, you mess with me. But, like, ultimately, she it was still still cool to, like, see the rest of Sabine's family. So I, I, I yes, I loved all the Mandalorian side characters, too, no matter how much they might have tested my love for them because of what they would do to Sabine. They were still awesome. <laughs> That's a really good point. Um, I just jot it, and Gabby will come back to you on this point as well um, about side characters. But I do think it is important to mention um, two other side characters being Ahsoka and Rex and alongside with Wolf and Gregor and how Rebels does so well connecting Clone Wars to this series. Mm-hmm. Um, when Clone Wars Season 7 came out, we were in the Mandalorian episodes of Season 3 and Season 4, and we were just... Uh, we were covering those episodes when we were watching the Siege of Mandalore. <laughs> uh, actively, and it's just, 
it's amazing how closely they're tied together. Like Ahsoka in Clone Wars season seven is having almost verbatim the exact same conversation with Bo-Katan that yeah. Sabine is having with her in Rebels. And it's Star Wars. It rhymes. Um, and, but it was just such a joy to be covering the Gar Saxon Ursa Rin episodes and then going back and watching it week by week, seeing Gar Saxon and Ursa Rin <laughs> in Clone Wars. It was just such a great synergy of showing mm-hmm. like why these shows are so good and being able to bring back characters like Rex and watching him react to things like Gregor's death when I just watched him no. bury fives and all of his brothers in Clone Wars. And it's just this amazing synergy of, I, I always kind of sort of call Rebels the sequel to Clone Wars because it really is. Um, in a lot of ways, it just continues on these stories, but with just from a different point of view with the ghost crew. Um, so that's just a, a strength of the series of how well it works and works in those works in those Clone Wars characters without running over the ghost crew and their stories and not taking away from their stories. And that's why I kind of liked with Clone Wars season seven, because we the fact that we had Rebels previously, like you were saying, and then we got characters again, like Ursa Wren and Gar Saxon. And that's what I loved because it's not just Rebels building off of Clone Wars, but now we're seeing Clone Wars come back and it's building off of Rebels still. Like, I always tweeted, like, I love all the Rebels connections yeah. to Clone Wars Season 7. Seeing baby Kanan? Yeah. Baby Kanan! Oh and Mandalorian was in the mix, too. Yeah. So it oh, was yeah. All, all three of them just sort of perfectly coming together. Yeah. Does Bendu, Bendu count as a side character? Yes. Yeah. Bendu. Yes. That's yeah, my that's my side character. Actually, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Gabby, what are your some of your thoughts on the side characters, like in the supporting casts? I think they did a great job with them. Everyone has like a very uh, clear personality, and um, especially one of the the ones that grew, grew on me were was AP Five. Because uh, when he when, the, when he first showed up, uh, I was like uh, I I wasn't convinced with by him, right? But the the other episodes he was in, and especially uh, with the what was the with the chopper that was uh, the episode where chopper is um, taken over by the empire, like oh, the one uh, where he sings at the end. Yes, yeah, the voice oh, joined the singing as soon as he sang. I'm like. Eighty-five, good stuff. Yeah, this is perfect, right? And uh, it, it was really, really fun with, to, to to see him, like uh, because um, like he maybe he thinks everyone is doing a terrible job, and he's just <laughs> trying to, you know, uh, I'm trying to 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 do everything myself, right? But he's also like not very good at it. He just doesn't accept it. Um, and no one else believes him, right? Like, um, but it was it was very fun for me that th- those episodes, and um, also Bendu. Bendu, it's a very interesting character, and I, and I thought we will see him again on season four in in some way, and I, I was surprised we didn't, because he's still out there. He's still, um, I mean, he. I think he just went. Um, away from the keyboard <laughs> for a bit uh, after trolling everyone in Othalon, but um, he still had, I think he was too too important to just live there, 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. He he really um, he introduced something else into the Force lore that I was like, oh my god, I love this. Like, um, you know, the light and and the dark, and he was the one in the middle, right? And uh, that was one of the things uh, when we started watching with my niece. Uh, I think you have read the, my my niece's reactions. I I wrote them. Um, she They're was really like, yeah. Cute. Yeah, she was so cute, and that, that she's wrong now, right? But uh, that time, she, uh, the moment she she met Bendu in the series, she went like, "That's it, that's Ezra. Ezra <gasps> is in the middle, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, it's also it, it was nice to have something else outside the you know the traditional Sith and Jedi because I think that's one of the things that we need uh, well with the force like we have we have many many options to be a darksider you know there's the Sith there's the Inquisitors there's you know also the Night Sisters in a way but we don't have anything else from any other uh, you know, philosophy on the force, like it's just the Jedi. And seeing the Bendu, like, uh, and you know, I am the Bendu, the Bendu is uh, the one in the middle, that was really something for me. I really like that part of Rebels too, because up until yeah. probably about the Clone Wars, and actually up until about Star Wars animation, really the force was presented like it was a coin. One side was the Jedi, and one side is the Sith. And something that animation did so well, like introducing the Night Scissors and the Bindu and also the Lasats, because they they look at it like yeah. the, Ash, uh, the Ashla. Ashla. Um, mm-hmm. it, they Dave Filoni pretty much said the Force is not a coin; it's a infinity sided dice, where pretty much like anything can be part of the Force. You know, it's a twenty sided dice that you roll, and it could be all sorts of things. It's not just so black and white. It's has all these gray areas in between because the Lasats are and we, and we have seen Lasat Jedi there's one in Fallen Order so mm-hmm. yeah I haven't played Fallen Order so I don't know his name to. but I know he's there <laughs> yeah 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 he's actually pretty great and uh, I, I I'm sure that you will love it when you play it really I know good. I just it's really I really good. want to um, I was surprised but that's something that like animation does so well is in even introducing the Mortis gods. Um, Chris and I hate the Mortis gods, but you know what? They're there. And yeah, I know, I know. I see I your face, Allie. Like, you know, I also I don't hate the Mortis gods. I just hate those episodes. I, I don't hate yeah. the episodes with them. I just think they sort of bungled with the way they presented them. Yes, you it. know what? You, you know what? I I didn't watch Clone Wars, so. The moment they suddenly start like coming up with this, like, like oh look, it's the Mortis gods, and and we have this, and we have that, and and we also have like a, a force force wolves here that can like you know trouble in high hyperspace or something. They, they can teleport, right? And I was like, what's going on here? I don't understand any of this, right? And if I hadn't watched, you know, like Rebels Recon, I wouldn't have a clue. My when I was watching with my niece, I had to explain her directly because she was lost. Like I, I don't understand what's happening. Who's that? And why? Why? 
why are they important? And I was trying to like put her up to to uh, to speed with that. But she was like, what, really? Like she she didn't believe me at first. When when they show, for example, when they show Doom as a wolf, uh, I told her like, yeah, that's that's maybe Kanan. And she was like, why? Kanan wouldn't try to bite him, bite Ezra, and, and he would be supportive and stuff. Like, yeah, well, that's that's why they say. So I don't know. Mortis and part of that of season four, it's a little bit um, of a mixed bag for me in that regard. Thank you. I have issues with the Lothwolves too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I thought, like uh, we know from some stuff that, that from some storyboards that uh, they've showed on Celebration that the the scene where where they are back in the cave with Kanan and the Lord Wolves, and he touches the, the, the head of the wolf, uh, you can tell in the story words that he says, like, I'm from Lothal, right? And I thought they were going to say something about that because the mural on the cave was showing a baby being taken by the, by the Jedi and also the, the, the Lothal temple. So I was like, okay, so that means Kanan is from Lothal? And he was like prophesied to do something, but then they never did anything with that. No, like why? So I didn't know why? that. You didn't know that? Oh no! I didn't know that. No, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I thought they were going to explain a little bit more about the wolves because they were supposed to be gone for like uh, they hadn't they hadn't been seen in like hundred years. And the moment I saw, you know, uh, a few months back with uh, the art from the High Republic and you see all the Jedis and there's a lot of wolf there. And I was like, oh, yeah. oh my God. Let I'm me... so excited for the High Republic. Yeah, I, I, I'm like, a, I'm still like waiting a little bit. I think I'm waiting a little bit. I'm with you. Yeah, like uh, I, I'm interested on some of the stuff that they're saying that they're going to touch. But I'm interested in you that. You were world. not a fan. Yeah, you were not a fan of that first chapter that got released. Yeah, no, I wasn't very, very into that. Like, um, I, I just like, um, I have enough of getting attached to people, to characters, and then watch them die. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't want that anymore. Thank you. <laughs> so, so, yeah. That, I, getting into Rebels was like, like, uh, I was really a, a sweet summer child because I didn't know very uh, Dave very well and and what he does with his characters. So like, yeah, oh no, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> oh no, I'm what, in the fandom happened, now. Oh no, I <laughs> had to go through with Rex every single episode of Rebels, pretty oh much. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So we're starting to talk about like the Force and how it's how animation has kind of expanded on it but what do you guys think rebels as a whole how do you think this show impacts the rest of the fandom whether it be the stories of the original trilogy the sequel trilogy prequels just how do you think rebel stories impacts the show as a whole um me and uh chris have both already really talked about this so i'm just gonna leave this to you guys um ali how do you think rebels impacts the the franchise as a whole um 
All right, I'm going to quick... I, I have a point that I was going to say about what you guys were just talking about, but I'll just throw that oh, in. Yeah, you know you can just break in at any time. Let's oh, yeah. shut I up. Mean, you guys were like all... I was like, do I really want to fight three people? On yes, you <laughs> like, do. I don't know. Um, I mean, <laughs> like... Okay, I'll just... I won't I won't fight. I'll just... <laughs> I'll just say... Yeah, bring um, it, bring it. So, do it. No, so on the idea of... I liked all the stuff you guys were saying about Kanan and um where he originated and stuff and i agree they could have flushed it out more but tying to um wolves of a door palpatine has the line like the death of kane and jerris has altered the fate of lothal so i think there are ties in the way that kanan is kind of like seen it's kind of like how you could argue that certain people are like ooh, the guardians of certain planets but like it's kind of like in the ways of the force i guess like he ultimately, if he was, like, from Rothal or whatever, he's, like, had to make that sacrifice in the way that it is ultimately what helped progress Lothal to eventually be liberated, like, like what happens. And also just the fact that with, um, it's kind of, I think it's all kind of ties back to, like, that, like, forcey we don't really see they could have expanded a lot on it i'm not against it like you guys but like they could have definitely fleshed it out more but there's definitely hints a lot of hints in there that there's like stuff with the force and stuff that um ultimately progressed through to be like how his sacrifice came to um ultimately help Lothal and change the course of Lothal. I don't know what I'm saying. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I, I, know, I, don't, I don't disagree with you. I just have, it's not uh, the story or the character, it's the execution that I have. Yeah. No, I no, no. I, and I agree that like they could have flushed it out more, but I just, I, I think I see what they were um, doing. And I think if we get, because people have been saying we're going to get more with the world between worlds or slash the rebel sequel. I think there's going to be ways in the future. They can continue to flush yeah. stuff like that out. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I hope. Hey, Allie. Yeah? You're absolutely allowed to disagree. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm it's not totally disagreeing cool. with anything. <laughs> really. <laughs> okay, you're fine and you're valid and no, it's totally awesome. I, okay, then I do not hate the Mortis guy. <laughs> No, like, yeah, and that's I the thing. like I I just have um I love the first episode of Mortis. I don't think that we needed the other two. Um that that's what it comes down to. I just think they're superfluous. It's it doesn't and it all comes down to they get their minds erased anyway. <laughs> so but like I think the first episode does it really well. They introduce the gods, they get the Anagan gets his test. They introduce these concepts, they get on their ship, and they leave. Like, the first episode does everything it needs to do. I just think the other two episodes are just too many sprinkles on top. I it's, think the uh, execution I, I of it goes yeah, more into, like, sword and sword, like, fantasy novel sort of place. I which think you called it D&D. D&D, <laughs> yeah. It, like, and it looks like tarot cards and stuff, but I think what they established in there is really cool. And by the mm -hmm. time we get to where it's showing up in, in rebels, it's more um, abstract than it was when they originally, I, I thought those episodes were just almost a little too literal. And I was wondering if there's a father, brother, or sister, where's the mother? Yeah. It's the mother of the Skywalker. Right. <laughs> she right. Skywalker. She's the Come mother on. of the Skywalker. She Come on, Star Wars. Love. Yeah. Um, but there should have been a mother too. Yeah. Yeah. 
but, but uh but yeah i mean you're totally like please love the mortis gods for me <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> no, I, I just i like that foresee myth like all that kind of stuff a lot more i guess i don't know i know i, no, I, I like I, it too i just don't think it was story-wise like as an episode of a television show i don't think as a television show episode it's executed well but i, I do I, like the concepts and and the mythology of the yeah. force gods but i just don't think as a looking at an actual tv show writing it doesn't work I, to me as an episode <laughs> i think when they made the that that original arc they didn't really know where it was going and they made it self-contained you know by making anakin forget everything that happened in it and that's another that's one of the big things that sort of made, soured me a little on the episode was the scene where anakin you know sees his whole future laid out and then is it, it just seemed a little in, indulgent to me but that, but that, the idea of their, their, their existence and stuff did so, like what I thought was necessary for the force, which sort of expanded the ideas of it and made it. And I think like after they, they did that original thing, they had time, Filoni had time to think about it and work it more organically in and by the time we hit Rebels, it started making a lot more sense, you know. And, and yeah. even when we're getting into something, say, like The Last Jedi, we know yeah. that Ryan Johnson had conversations with Filoni mm -hmm. about Mortis, about exactly. the world between worlds. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you can feel the influence of, yeah. of those in, in The Last Jedi. And that's one of the things I loved about that movie was, mm -hmm. you know, the Force was take, wasn't just sort of, like ah mysteriously doing its thing it was sort of it's sort of evolving and changing its approach and 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 became more became like more out front in some ways which made it more mysterious in other ways which you know it it, it keeps things interesting and evolving yeah, yeah. are you is, it, is that good for you Allie? <laughs> i guess i <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I could sit here all day and talk about Force mythical yeah. stuff. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about today. So, <laughs> um, that's right. what the question you originally asked me. It's okay. Uh, I just could look at me like I'm an Arinda Price uh, uh, role player and I'm <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not like, gonna hate you. No, no. You know um, what? I'll tell you what. Um, I don't know when because schedules are crazy, but oh, in yeah. the future, you can come on to the show and we will talk about fourth miss fourth mythology. All right. Sounds good. You want to do that? Okay. I want in that. on that. Okay. We will right. do that. But yeah, as, so, so uh, segue, since we were just talking about Last Jedi and the influences of animation. Yes, hey, Allie, how does, do you think Rebels influences the sequels? Whoa, 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 okay. Well, I think it does. It's okay, I didn't see there for a second. <laughs> Both influencing and expanding, because we talked a lot about how season one kind of, like, allows us to introduce these characters, and then they get, like, more put into, like, what's set up with the films and stuff. But I like the fact that you kind of get to see the formation of the rebellion and the way they did it. I liked it, because you get to see this group of people who start out fighting against the Empire, and then they eventually like grow to become part of a rebel cell. And then they eventually grow to become part of the larger rebellion as like it progresses throughout the show. So I think it really, in that way, it shows a, 
a nice perspective, a cool perspective of seeing the growth of the rebellion in that way. And I liked that. And as the series does, like, like we've been talking a lot about, we have tie-ins from other shows, but it's never like shoved down our throat. It works. It ties in. And it's like, yeah, Ahsoka's fulcrum. So she's here now and she's part of the rebellion. So she's like getting information to them. And I, I just love the ways they were able to build upon like as the story's progressing in this timeline as well as tie into as we're talking about like tie into the films and everything because it does it there's like rogue one ties in season um in god is that season four season three season uh season three season three yeah and season four yes both yeah um they have rogue one ties and there's um, more stuff with, like, like with the stuff with Saw Gerrera and Mon Mothma. Like, there's tons and tons of just ways they build upon the films and connect to the films and just expand that narrative. And I just love that so much. <laughs> I can talk a lot about it. <laughs> well, keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast. I want to give Jamie a chance to talk. <laughs> I, I do want to touch on something that uh, when we were covering A World Between Worlds, um, we were talking about that if that episode had came out later, that you would probably hear Solo and Tross mm. inside the World Between Worlds as well. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, but how do you think Rebels has influenced the franchise as a whole? Gabby, did I lose you? Ah, sorry, I didn't hear my name. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> I thought you were asking Chris. Okay, I don't know. Uh, okay. Um, I think um, it helped um, show the beginning of the rebellion. I think everyone wanted to know how it happened. I think that also worked with, with, with Solo and Rogue One especially. Um, I think... Um, most of it, most of Rebel works very well with Rogue One because it's almost, you know, it's it feels uh, the transition from Rebels to Rogue One and then to A New Hope is very, you know, smooth. Um, we can see uh, Guerrera saw um, in season three, in season four, as, as Ali, Ali said. Um, and, I she, uh, and I think it shows the difference on philosophies between uh, because even even inside the rebellion there are people that they are not agreeing on how they should do things against the empire right because we technically have three three ways we have uh, saw who is a, a little extremist <laughs> uh, we have modma that she also has um, she wants to get uh, you know go the, the high road uh, she wants to do everything correctly and we also have technically like the jedi way right like it's mm-hmm. uh, it's thinking outside the box and it's not just simply um strategic and military actions so i think uh, that's why ezra and sabine also were like moving around these uh, these ideas because um they wanted to do something against the empire, and the easiest way at, the, at first it was, you know, like uh, the easiest way will be like just slash slash out, right, and and get, you know, punish people that were helping the empire at some point, like click clack, because um, oh, so click clack, I forgot yeah, about because I, because <laughs> I, because so much very like oh you were 
your people were doing something for the empire and and he immediately like antagonized uh, click clack with, with because of that and he also like with the engineering uh, the the uh, the scientist that they were being taken away on season four he he didn't care about them like oh you you were going to do something for the empire right and he doesn't uh, he doesn't. He doesn't seem to understand that sometimes people don't have a choice in that matter. Like, and um, and Ezra, what and Sabine, what they do is like, you know what? We're going to like give, try to help you, so you don't have to be in this position anymore. Like, that's that's the Jedi way, right? Like, trying to like help click clack. You know, like, what do you need? Like, oh, you are looking for an egg or what? what what do you need to do, right? And then try to communicate and find a middle ground. And also with the with the scientists, like, okay, you the, the empires wants you because you are doing something like, okay, le let's see if we can get you out of here, right? And I think that's one of the best when rebels shine because they, they are showing there's other ways that just, um, uh, you know, blowing stuff up, but all right. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I, mean, I so forgot bad. about Click Clack. I, and I just got super emotional when you mentioned Click Clack. <laughs> well, like, well, like they'd spent the, in the in the prequels, in the prequel movies and Clone Wars, his Click Clack's race has basically just been like sort of de de just uh, there to get mown down. They just get sort of. I keep saying dehumanized. Yeah. But they're they're not humans, but they you know they they they're, they're referred to as bugs and we're basically just seen and and we know that they're an intelligent species and and they're they're they they're just there as, <laughs> they're just there to get mowed down by the quote unquote good guys and click clack shows just the heart of rebels where you know we finally get to empathize with them you know yeah yeah i mean i i going back to what gabby said i liked a lot of what you said in relation to um seeing the different perspectives and ways of doing things because we see that a lot in star wars and i liked how they kind of did it with the rebellion because like we see with the mandalorians there's like pacifism versus their warrior culture we see with the jedi that there's like the light side versus the dark side and it, star wars has a lot of ways of showing it but i liked how rebels really kind of continue to like flush out the idea that like yeah they're all part of the rebellion but they all still have different perspectives and ways of doing things and choosing the way we fight and stuff so yeah yeah i i, mean, I liked how rebels flushed that out yeah and the perspective thing is so important because i mean like mon mothma is trying to do things right but saw guerrero is a terrorist like plain and simple like he yeah. might be on the good guy's side but yeah. he's a terrorist he yeah. kills people he's a murderer um but like perspective is so important and we actually see that filter into resistance with tam yeah. like tam looks at kaz and says my exactly. grandfather worked for the empire because there were no other jobs does that make him bad and we see that in rebels because Lieutenant List blows up the Sumar's farm. So they have no other choice but to work in the factories, which are imperial factories, which makes them part of the empire. Yeah. But the Sumars are not bad people. Yeah. And we're seeing how that filters into future shows, like in Rebels. And I think that's what that that's the date, like the beauty of television. Like what well, yes, I love Star Wars movies, but I yeah. love 
so much more. I love Star Wars television because we have more time to yeah. look at these yes, stories. Exactly. I think I think that's one of the reasons uh, the um, Rebels influ will influence the rest of the franchise from here on out because they get um, the storytelling. He, they set a bar for the storytelling that we expect from the rest of the sh new shows that are coming, right? Um, so we we also get that on on the Mandalorian, mm -hmm. like um, and in sometimes with with resistance. So like we rebels and Clone Wars are depending on you know if you you're just a Clone Wars uh, fan or just a Rebels fan, but they still um set what the standard of storytelling is uh, for the rest of the of the new movies or new they should be <laughs> for the new movies or the or any other series that they're going to come uh, to bring soon yeah oh boy uh-huh so okay so we're starting to reach the end of this so i want to end on a fun question um oh, you guys yeah. haven't seen this question because i literally just thought of yes, it five minutes ago it. i just <laughs> read it uh-huh so um and me and chris have both talked about this so i want to hear what you guys say um there are rumors of a rebel sequel uh -huh. um we haven't had an announcement as of this recording if there is or not but if there is a rebel sequel what do you want to see in the sequel? <laughs> what would you, if you, you get to write the sequel, you get to oh write what you, you're the writer, you are Dave Filoni, put on your cowboy hat. <laughs> Which Okay. Whoever wants to go first, because me and Chris have already talked at length about this. Okay, so. I, I think uh, I'll, I'll do it, I'll do it. Um, okay, well, what I want, Gabby. Uh, yes, because what I want is, um, <laughs> But I think to be to be honest, I think they should be like two two stories, two separate stories, because we really do need, you know, Sabine and Ahsoka. But I think they should be another. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> it's a mess I have. <laughs> so uh, this perfect. is audio format. Because this is an audio format, Ali just stood up, walked over, got a cowboy hat, and put it on, and came back to the screen. So that perfect. is why we are freaking You're out. And it's me, Ali. <laughs> okay i'm going to get my i i would i as, so, as soon as i saw that i reflexively went to go get my cowboy hat and went like i don't have a camera but i'm going to get it and i'm gonna go put yeah. it on right now oh i wish i had one all right all right well okay if i um i will i will want two two stories two different stories one for a and sabine like post um uh, Return of the Jedi, but also I want, uh, the most that I want is uh, Ezra's and Thrones uh, survival adventures, because you just don't, you just don't put the most uh, chaotic little Jedi with the most uh, smart, smart as uh, blue cheese that in, in, in the Empire and you send them together, you, you have to do something with them. <laughs> It's just am the 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 potential for their stories is just amazing because it could be like uh, very um, some comedy. It could be a comedy or it could be <laughs> very very deep. Like because they have in, in after you read the books with the, with Tron, you realize that what he wants to do is to protect everyone. 
the way he does it, it's the one that uh, makes it's uh, it's um is wrong, right? But he really wants to help everyone uh, as much as he can. He thinks that with the empire resources, um, he could he could make that work. That's the problem with him with Tron. But uh, what, but Ezra also had this idea like he wants to protect everyone too. But they they go about it uh, completely different ways, and I want to see how they realize that they they are so alike, and maybe they can find a middle ground. Because now, like I, I was I was tweeting the other day that Ezra became um, the force appointed parole officer for Tron, so maybe he can make sure that he doesn't do anything uh, bad this time and put his his uh, his genius to good use. That's another thing. That that's what I want the, the Rebel sequel to touch on. All right, Dave Valley. <laughs> if you are now Dave Filoni and you get to write the Rebel sequels, what would you like to see? Oh my gosh. Well, mine is actually quite similar to Gabby's, but I can touch on some extra stuff that I think would be cool. Uh, so definitely getting to see like Sabine and Ahsoka, obviously just give me as much Sabine content as possible. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, lots of Sabine and Ahsoka. And also definitely um, drawn in Ezra shenanigans. Like they have, they're both kind of, I, I don't know if you could say this necessarily, but they both kind of have their own, like, strong personalities in a certain way. And I think it could be really chaotic, and especially because they also yes. have their own ways of doing things. And they also, we see a lot with Ezra, especially in the later seasons, how Ezra believes he knows how to do things. It's got to be that way and only that way. And so, and then Thrawn obviously is, like, super, like, smart and stuff. So, like, he's going to be like, I know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and also, just Thrawn it'll be kind of from the character side of things. I can touch on that a bit more, I guess the character side of things Thrawn kind of just like might be having a bit of a weird time. Cause this, like all this just happened with the Pergil and he kind of was not expecting all this to happen. So he was kind of going to be having like his a own crisis. existential <laughs> crisis kind of thing. Um, also maybe having PTSD to Bendu. Yes. 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 Did you see, did you see the comic that I did about, about, uh, Trump getting like, um, a crisis, like those light tear, like everything I ever did, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm just, Oh my God. Oh my God, Bendu comes back to just to just torture Thrawn. Oh my God, uh, I'm great. liking all your all you guys' ideas are are just where I'm just thinking domestic drama story at home with Hera and the kid, but oh. the kid is also oh psychically God, connected through the Force to Ezra, which links the two, and then you have the Ezra Thrawn story with Thrawn's redemption. I think that would be awesome. Yay! Actually, I hadn't thought about about Jason in this because it it seemed like 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 Sabine and Ahsoka were going to go away, and it it gave me the uh, the feeling that Hera was going to stay with the you know with the New Republic while they were were going to uh, look for them. But it will be also like amazing to see what's going on with Jason because he's also important. He's too important to just leave leave you know like that and and Ezra is going to like to to meet him and uh, you know get get close to him and be there just the way there's he gotta be some him. jedi yeah. going on in there yeah too. yeah oh. exactly and uh jason 
riding along with like with Sabine and Ahsoka and they tell him like all these great stories about Ezra and like they're like like, they build up this mind and then Jason finally sees Ezra and Ezra's like oh my god and Jason looks right at him and goes you're a lot shorter than I thought you were (laughs) you know what okay we could we could do this if he you know uh, he uh, stops away in, into Ahsoka and Sabine's ship. Oh my god. <laughs> Imagine that. And they're like like halfway, you know, uh, to, to the neon regions and he just shows up like, hey, hey, uh, Auntie Sabine, uh, I'm hungry. And they were like, what? What are you doing here, kids? <laughs> and Hera's panicking because she's like, where's my child? <laughs> oh god, the Lord will stole him. No. Yeah. <laughs> I think on top of like getting like Jason getting like stories and stuff of the past, I think it'll be interesting to see how much they touch on in a way like that time period. Cause like we get in Rebels, like it's like we get that kind of time jump in a way, not that big. Like they, we get that kind of, and I think especially because obviously I'm not Dave Filoni, so I don't know how he thinks he's <laughs> right now, reality. but um. Because Sabine, she looks fine at the end, but, like, she also does talk about how for a long time she thought her only role was to protect Lothal, but at the same time she could have been searching for Ezra, so she might have a big guilt over that, or just seeing how yeah. she's processed things over the years, because there's a lot of people who've written fix about yeah. that, about how she processes things. Um, and then also just Ahsoka's perspective at this time, because while we've seen Ahsoka a little bit, we haven't really gotten to specifically learn more about her perspective since season two so i i think that kind of stuff too will be interesting to see (laughs) if Um, we get out (laughs) for for me um i say yes to everything everyone has said the only thing i would add is Callus and Zeb are married and they have yes! adopted oh God, here we go <laughs> yeah and they have adopted like their first stop is they go to Lyrison to see if they can recruit Callus and Zeb but Callus oh and God. Zeb have they have opened an orphanage and they are raising yeah. little Lasat children and they're like we would love to come along yeah. to help but we now have 28 Lasat children that we are yes, raising together yes, yes. That's that's the only thing that was missing. Oh my god, it has to happen. Yeah, yeah Uncle, Uncle Hondo comes in to like take care <laughs> oh of the kids god, while they're yes. gone. Oh, please, please, please. Maybe that's the reason. Uncle result. Uncle Hondo and Uncle um what what is the Ugnat's name? Oh, Melch. Melch. Uncle Hondo and Melch show Melch, up to be yeah. the parental units. Well, for... that that will explain why he ends up in Batu in Wild Space, you know? Yeah. Uh uh-huh. I, I think so. Yeah, it could be. So, well, yeah. uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground today. Thank you both so much for being part of this Rebels Roundtable with us and celebrating the show. It was great. But so, uh, Allie, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at Allie underscore M underscore Andrews. You can also follow my find my podcast on Twitter at Knights of Ren. And my podcast is on podcast.com and iTunes. And I also do art on my main account. So, yeah, that's me. <laughs> oh, speaking of the artwork. Hey, Chris, do you like the mask that Allie made? I do. I'm holding it <laughs> in my hand right now. <laughs> um, I'm talking it, through it right now. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm filtered through the mask. So, quick 30 seconds. What is Knights of Ren about? Your podcast. And Ren is W-R-E-N. W-R-E-N. Please, 
for the love of goodness. I can't ser- like you search my podcast online, you just get fifty thousand photos of the knights of Like what do I suck? Um yeah, it's W R E N. Um, my podcast, we loved, I love to cover everything, but we especially love to cover animation because that's where my heart is. So, like, we did an entire series where we covered, like, every single Rebels character in a separate episode, which was fun. <laughs> so, it's it's just really celebrating what we love about Star Wars, animation, films. I talk a lot about Mandalorian stuff because I can't stop talking about it, apparently. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a fun celebration of all kinds of Star Wars. <laughs> Now, Gabby, you have written a wonderfully popular fic called Last Known Trajectory. Um, It has over 10,000 hits. You've done beautiful artwork for it. So, Gabby, right fast, pitch me in 30 seconds. What is Last Known Trajectory about and where can people find it? All right, my fic. It's uh, Ezra and Thrawn end up stranded on an an inner... Uh, sorry, I can't say the word well. That's alright. Ezra and Thrawn end up stranded on an uninhabited planet in the unknown regions. Uh, with no rescue on sight, can Ezra put aside his difference with one of his biggest enemies to survive? And the the story goes um, along with with them trying to survive on that planet and eventually making their way to the Chief Ascendancy. And I think uh, now that it's uh, the new Tron book is coming out, uh, the Chaos Rising, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, how the the Star Wars universe is expanding outside, you know, the the three movies, the the, the, the I mean, the three trilogies, and and going and exploring our other civilizations, other areas. That I think that's that's where the future of Star Wars should be. You know, like uh, you have a, a galaxy of of potential. You should use it. You should go out. <laughs> you should go out of the comfort zones and and find new stuff. And I think uh, the cheese should be one of those uh, stories uh, if the Rebels uh, sequel comes up. And you do all your own artwork for your for yeah your yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So where can people find you, Gabby? And where can people find the wonderful Last Known Trajectory, which I've read and it's beautiful. Yay! <laughs> Cried quite a few okay, times. You can find me, you can find me on, on Twitter as Joski underscore Solnora. And I have a pin there. Uh, I have a, a tweet pinned there and also the link. So uh, it will be easier that way. Otherwise, you can find it on, on Archive of Our Own as Last Known Trajectory. I highly recommend it, everybody. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chris, it's down to us. I think we've had a really good time. So did you have anything else for Rebels? Not really. I mean, we just talked in the last year and eight months about the Right, almost like two years about it, you know, in detail. (laughs) So I think it's pretty clear... Mm-hmm. Where I'm, I'm, I, I just want to say I'm really digging all the ideas for where the the Rebels <laughs> sequel should go. It's it's right lined up where I would think that they they should go. So, and and I also just my opinion, I I don't think there's much of a question that it's gonna happen because I think it's the characters are wildly popular. It was set up 
<laughs> in Rebels, and I think it was set up to, you know, be very interesting wherever they want to go. You know, they have all sorts of directions they can go with it, and uh, and nothing nothing in the sequel trilogy precludes them from doing really neat stuff. So I'm I'm pretty confident it's going to happen. And we know it's in their heads because I still remember how they, when they marketed the Rebels panel at Celebration, they were like, there will be no new series outside this panel. So they're clearly thinking about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard that they before know. too, yeah. It's, it's following a lot of, it's following a lot of patterns of the past that have yielded really good stuff. So I'm, I'm kind exactly. of about it, you know. Well, Chris, where can people find you? You can buy twotruefreaks.com. That's our website. That's how websites work. They slap a .com at the end of them. And we've got all our podcasts, too many to name on too many topics, all third topics. And uh, you can go there and sign up for our RSS feeds there, or you can go to iTunes and grab RSS feeds for... For individual or even if you're a daredevil, all of our podcasts, which is only a few crazy people sign up for, like Gene Gene, the podcasting machine, the guy who runs our Twitter feed. He's got the Twitter feed. And where else? We're on, we're on Facebook. We've got the Two True Freaks podcast, which is just sort of our dry presentation of all our podcasts coming out. And then we've got the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is more like this podcast, a conglomeration of people talking about stuff. And yeah, that's where they can find me. What about you, Hope? I know you have some a an impressive web presence. <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> you can find me at Jagos and Jedi. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinax on Twitter. Fuck, I don't have it written in front of me. Uh, where else am I? Uh, Geeky Girl Experience <laughs> is where you can read all my reviews. Um, what else do I do? We have another podcast. I don't. I, this, usually this is written in front of me. I don't have it in front of me now. Um, Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. Uh, we are having a great time going through Gravity Falls right now. We are actually starting to get to the end of season one. And that's very exciting. Um, like Gabby, I also write fanfiction over on Archive of Our Own under the name Chaos Lydia. And actually, by the time this episode comes out, it's going to be after remembering Star Wars Resistance Day. And I just finished up doing a collaboration with the wonderful June, who I've worked with before. And I did the fanfiction, um, a Star Wars Resistance fanfiction, and she did the artwork for it. And oh my god, nice. it's beautiful. Yes! Yay. Oh, she's so oh, good! She's I so wish! Good. Oh, guys, this, the artwork she did for the fanfic is gorgeous. I can't wait. <laughs> I started crying when I saw it. I was like, my oh. story's not this good. <laughs> oh. It is not as good as the artwork. <laughs> I can tell you that much. <laughs> so, it was yeah. if it inspired. Apparently. <laughs> she said she liked the story and she drew beautiful artwork, so I guess it's good. So you can find that over under the name Chaos Lydia on Archive of Our Own. Oh my god, Chris, next week we start Clone Wars Season 7! Oh my god. (laughs) 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 If anything can save 2020, it's us doing Clone Wars Season 7. Oh my god. (laughs) 
I, I already know it's just like, oh, it, it's it's good all the way through, but it's going to build us right up into those last four episodes. And oh, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, I mean, just on a raw level, I can't wait to watch them again. Yeah. And yeah. and pay more attention to them. All right. As if I wasn't riveted to them in the first place. Oh, it's going to be so fun. Oh, I can't wait. So come back. I don't know if I've ever looked forward to a season in our Filoni animation as to Clone Wars Season 7. Just, just revved up. Wow. Allie, Gabby, thank you so much for being part yes. of our Rebel Roundtable. We are, you guys are welcome back to the show anytime. Allie, I'm going to hold you to that Force Talk, man. All right. Sounds great. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you picked the day, man. We will have you. And Gabby, oh. thank you for being part of this as well. Thank you. It was an honor to be here. <laughs> Me. Okay. Me. Bonita y inteligente amiga. I've been I've well. been learning trying to learn how to speak Spanish so I could talk to Gabby in her native language. <laughs> I know, but Sorry. you know I love you and I wanna be able to speak with you as well. I'm stuck on clothing. <laughs> Alright. Alright. Don't worry about it. Me too. <laughs> no, no, the clothing lesson is kicking my ass. I've been struggling learning how to say clothes. <laughs> but I will learn for you because I love you. <laughs> All right, you guys. Next time, troopers, gear up. We are returning to the Clone Wars. We are returning to OG Star Wars animation. But I guess it's not OG because that'd be the holiday special. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Next, we already week, did that. We did do the holiday special. That's I actually so really loved it. <laughs> well, next week, guys. Clone Wars season seven. See you next time. Bye. Everyone else can say bye too. Bye. (laughs) Visit our website at two true freaks.com. Two true freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.
That is freaky.